Welcome back to another episode of Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Evelyn Goh, Deputy CEO and Chief Advisory Officer at Providence. And today, we have a very special guest. He is none other than Mr. Dave Butler, Co-CEO of Dimensional Fund Advisors. Hello, Dave. Hello, Evelyn. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great pleasure to be here. The limitation of a podcast is, the, you know, we don't get to see the visuals. And if you do get to see us, you will see that there is a huge difference in terms of height between the two of us. Of course, it's seated. It's not so obvious. Um, but Dave is actually very, very tall. Now, Dave, can you just tell us how tall you are? Yeah, so I'm six foot eight, which I think translates to about 2.05 meters, something like that. Yeah, something I actually did a check. You're oh, you? 2.06 meters ah, tall. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's like more than half a meter taller yeah. than me. Yeah, they, <laughs> so yeah. that's really tall. Yeah, they always listed me in meters when I played basketball in Europe, so that's how I remember. And yeah, in, because in, in States, Singapore, never, yeah. that's the kind of matrix we use, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So we understand that you were a professional uh, basketball player prior to joining the mm-hmm. finance industry. Um, why make the switch, you know, from being a professional uh, sportsman to the finance industry? Maybe you can share with us a bit of your journey. Sure, happy to. Yeah, I played uh, college basketball uh, at, uh, in Berkeley in California, and mm-hmm. then I was drafted by the Boston Celtics. And uh, the year I came out of, uh, of college, they had a strike, so I wasn't allowed to go try out with the Celtics. Uh, so instead, I decided to uh, to go out to a team in Turkey, Istanbul, Turkey. So that was my first year in, in professional basketball was in Istanbul. Mm. And then uh, the following year, I went to uh, Tokyo, to Japan, uh, and played a year there. And then uh, went back to my, get my MBA at, uh, at Berkeley. So I was always a finance person. Mm. Um, and when I was playing basketball, I, I always thought I'd be a professional in the NBA and play in the U.S. Uh, but unfortunately, the strike was there, and then I... Uh, I end up hurting up my hurting my calf, oh. uh, my Achilles, in, uh, when I was in uh, Turkey, oh, no. and so that sort of you know progressed me towards moving away from sport and basketball mm. and back into academics into my finance career. I see. And what led you to joining Dimensional? Well, that's a that's a good question, long question. Um, you know, when I when I finished up in uh, playing ball in Europe. Um, you know, I had this opportunity to go and, and be in New York, and I, I went to uh, Wall Street for my first uh, career, uh, uh, started my career journey, uh, and that was at a big one of the big investment banks, and I was on the, uh, the the trading desk there, and I was probably three and a half, four years into my time uh, at the bank, and uh, just wasn't really inspired mm. uh, by what I was doing. I wasn't inspired by you know the environment at that time, which was very transaction and commission oriented. Uh, it was not a uh, scenario that was good for clients, I, in my in my view. Uh, so I had made a decision that I was going to go back to California and go be a high school teacher mm. uh, and a basketball coach oh, and just wow. leave the industry completely. But um, that would be a waste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and luckily, I happened to see a Wall Street Journal uh, ad in the bottom corner of the 17th page, and it said Santa Monica, California, and I'm from California. Mm. So I liked the idea of going back to California, and I sent a resume in. And it happened to be a resume that was sent to Dimensional Fund Advisors. Mm. And my mentor, who became my boss, a guy named Dan Wheeler, um, uh, pulled my resume out of the stack and uh, liked what he saw on the resume. And I had a CFA and I was an MBA from Berkeley. And Mm. he had started his PhD in accounting at Berkeley. So that was the connection there. Uh, He invited me in to interview with Dimensional. And... um, it was just a fabulous day for me. It was it was what I call the aha moment, mm. where you know I got to 
I come off the elevator and I got to meet David Booth. Wow. Um, and, and David the founder, walked, right? The founder, yep. And David walked up with uh, Merton Miller. Mm. And Merton Miller was a, a board member and a Nobel Prize winner. And then David asked Dan if, um, if he would be willing to take Merton to lunch because David had other plans. Mm. And so Dan took Merton Miller and myself uh, out for, din- for lunch. And uh, that was my first interaction with Dimensional. And, and, um, I just and that remember was actually your interview day. That was my interview day. Yeah, wow. My first day. And I, I remember, you know, just how amazing Bird Miller was. He was just so modest and funny and smart. And, uh, you know, he said some things at the lunch that I just, um, it finally woke me up to what I thought was the right answer in finance and in, in personal investing. Mm. And, uh, you know, he said three things. He said, you know, um, you know markets work. He said, uh, diversification is your buddy. And he said, costs matter. And he says, if, if you can think of those three things as an investor, mm. you're going to be very, very well off. And I remember walking away from that lunch and thinking to myself that um, what I just heard was, was sort of that transformative moment, that aha moment that I thought, okay, I can be in this business, in the financial services business, and feel good about what I was doing. Mm. And also, you know, enjoy um, kind of my day-to-day work. I feel like I'm making an impact uh, on clients and on retirements, on people's wealth and so forth. So mm. it was really a wonderful day for me because I, I literally had decided to leave the financial space completely and go be a teacher and coach, which I love. Mm. Uh, but then I had a chance to join Dimensional. And, and I'd say the last 28, 29 years I've been at Dimensional, it really is a chance for me to to, tr- to educate, to train, to, to really act as a teacher, uh, but in the financial services space in a very different manner from what I had seen mm my first uh, few years in the business when I was in New York. Yeah, I'm sure your staff at Dimensional is very glad that, um, (laughs) you know, that interview worked out well for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's been 28 years and counting Mm -hmm. that you've been with uh, Dimensional. So obviously, um, some parts of the company could be the values, could be the culture, Mm -hmm. uh, must have resonated with you. Could you share with us what some of these are? Yeah, I think that it's the people. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned Merton Miller and just the modesty and, uh, you know, what I would call the pursuit of truth. Mm. Um, so I was very, very uh, comfortable with the people I met at Dimensional. And, and every one of them, in my mind, uh, is, is the highest integrity, uh, you know, a lot of modesty for the level of intellect um, that we have at the firm. Uh, but the main point and the main thing that really resonated with me, for me was it was really all about the client and about the experience of the client and how do we make that experience better. And the norm was high transactions, high commission, high cost, high turnover, all the things that we would agree that makes is a negative for the end investor and for their, their experience as an investor. So this was just the opposite of that, a completely different model. Uh, we call it a, we call it a redefinition of index of in investment advice, redefining investment advice, mm. and that redefinition is one where the advisor again is working as a fiduciary to the client, and the asset manager, in this case, Dimensional, uh, builds the most efficient you know uh, access points to the capital markets as possible, and then the advisor on behalf of the client decides what you know portfolios are they going to put the client in. They know mm. the client better than the Dimensional does as the asset manager, so. The model just made a lot of sense, and um, again, it was an idea that really had not much traction and not many assets. And as I look back 30 years later, you know, the 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 industry has been impacted in a m- major, major way, and it's changed completely. So everything, when you look at the U.S. advisory business, is mm. very much around around the kind of idea of fiduciary, independent yep. advice, holistic wealth management, all of those 
um, concepts that weren't part of our description of advice 30 years ago are now right down the middle of the, uh, the road and, and very mainstream and very um, accepted uh, mm-hmm. with throughout the U.S. and I think throughout the, throughout the globe now as well. Yeah. Right. You mentioned about uh, low cost. Uh, mm-hmm. Indeed, that's one of the big characteristics of um, you know, the funds uh, of uh, Dimensional. I mean, and we are talking about 0.2 to 0.3 per annum for mm-hmm. an actively managed fund. That's compared to uh, what we have here. We're like looking at least 1%, 1.5, if not 2% yeah. you know, for a fund's uh, annual f- uh, management fees. Could you share with us how Dimensional managed to keep your cost low for investors? Yeah, I think the um, the environment at the time, and, and, and as you mentioned, one point five percent to two percent. That's mm. oftentimes active management, and the idea that markets aren't efficient, mm. that prices don't reflect information, that me or somebody else is going to be able to go into the market and find the right stock, and yeah. then put you know uh, put investment into that stock. Business trips to visit factories, v- visit and all. factories. So there's a lot of expense that comes with that model. Yeah. Uh, the reality is, and in, in the data I've looked at for 50 years, and, and obviously the academics who have been much more studious of that uh, information, just suggested that's not a real activity that's going to be added value mm. over time. So. The data going back 50 years says, you know, prices reflect information, markets are efficient. It's very, very difficult for an active manager to make those kind of stock and selections and market timing mm-hmm. selections that are going to add value. And so it doesn't make sense to have an investor pay 1.5% or 2% for that activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you come back to, okay, you can make it cheaper. Um, as I mentioned, Merton Miller, when I first spoke to him, cost matter. Yep. Uh, it, for your end return, costs do compound, and they mm. are very uh, costly to investors if that high of a cost. Uh, but at the same time, Dimensional's approach is, is we think we can add value above the market. Mm. So if you're able to identify through research, identify areas of the market that have higher expected returns, as you know, small caps, yep. value stocks, profitability, et cetera, uh, you're able to actually then position your capital in the market mm. uh, across those spectrums of returns that are higher expected returns. And then you're able to implement daily so that you're constantly exposing yourself to the higher expected return areas of the market. Uh, and that's a great outcome. So we often say, you know, if Dimensional was an index fund, just a low cost index fund, we wouldn't have a business. We add value. Mm. Uh, we take all the best of indexing, yep. which is low cost and low transaction costs and, and low turnover and tax mm. efficiency. And then we add on to that this idea of, of implementing in a daily fashion that allows the investor the best, most efficient access to the capital markets and gives them a chance to beat the market without outguessing the market. Mm. And that's the whole kind of crux of what, we, uh, what we've created at Dimensional. And and I've been lucky enough to be involved with for the last uh, 30 years. Mm. You think one of the, the story that I heard, right, about um, how cost conscious or how conscious you are in terms of like saving cost is um, your, your choice of location of mm. your head office in Texas. Mm. Yeah, maybe you want to share with us a little bit about that story with our listeners. Yeah, I think it's an important point. Um, you know, we think of ourselves as fiduciaries and we want to deliver the, the greatest return possible for the investor. Uh, and when you think about what you need to do to, to do that, you need to have a, um, a staff that's able to deliver that. So our, our research staff, our portfolio management group, there are over 100 people uh, focused on one philosophy, focused mm-hmm. on the ability to, uh, to daily implement uh, in a very, very efficient fashion. So you, you need to have a lot of focus and energy on that. Mm-hmm. And it's not a uh, simplistic default kind of rote mechanism of an index fund. It's, it's more than that. Mm. And that's the value add uh, with dimensional. So 
back in 2003, uh, we were a $50 billion U.S. Uh, dollar uh, asset manager. The idea that was based on our growth pattern, we would be a $500 billion uh, manager by 2018. Mm. And so the move to Texas was to reflect that. We, we figured if we needed to be a fiduciary and do the right thing for the clients and have the right infrastructure uh, to be able to, you know, uh, build out the right um, fund lineup for clients, we'd have to do it in a pretty significant uh, increase uh, of, of employees over that time. So moving to Texas allowed us to do that. And it was a planning process to really just reflect the fact that we are fiduciaries, just like mm-hmm. the advisor is to the client. And in our fiduciary view, we felt the best move was to be in Texas, uh, allowed us to expand uh, the employee base in a, in a way that we thought would reflect the ability for us to act as a fiduciary in the highest manner on the 500 billion. Mm. Uh, today we're 630 billion, so wow. we've kind of moved past that 500 billion Congratulations. mark. Congratulations! Thank you. Um, but uh, it's been a, a very successful move for us. And again, all of this is really built around the idea: like, what is the best thing that we as Dimensional can do for the client? Mm. Um, and that's to you know to, to deliver these portfolios that are going to be very very efficient. And then work with advisors who are going to be able to have a, a expert knowledge on the client, mm-hmm. and then again combine those two and really deliver a great client experience. Thanks, Dave, for sharing about uh, your decision of uh, you know uh, expanding and you know discharging the fiduciary duties to the investors. Um, just now you mentioned also that um, Dimensional has this different way of working, and that's to choose to work with independent financial advisors. Mm-hmm. And thirty years ago, that's really very uncommon. Uh, in fact, that's very distinctively different. Mm-hmm. Um, so what uh, caused Dimensional to choose to work with uh, IFAs? And I think in US, it's mostly fee-only advisors mm-hmm. yeah, versus you know the traditional commission-based distribution channel. Yeah, that's a great question. We, um, you know, I'll mention the name Dan Wheeler again. Dan yeah. Wheeler was a financial advisor uh, mm-hmm. in the U.S. that started the business with Dimensional. So he uh, was a commission-based, transaction-based uh, broker mm. uh, and was not comfortable with that as an outcome for the client. So he, uh, as he says, uh, as a 40th birthday present to himself, he walked out of his brokerage firm mm. because he felt like the uh, the business and the firm, the management was actually dictating what he was allowed to do for the advisor right. or for the client. Mm. And that wasn't a good outcome. So he went off on his own, became an independent advisor with the perspective, again, that he could uh, be sitting on the same side of the table as the client, make the best decision possible for the client uh, by being independent. And so he did that. Um, he was using Vanguard 500 uh, as a, a vehicle. He liked the index type mm. of an approach. And then he came across an article in the USA Today newspaper that talked about Dimensional's 910 fund, uh, which was a uh, which is now called the microcap fund. And he wanted to have small cap exposure in an index-like fashion. Uh, so he came to David Booth and uh, Rex Singfield, the two founders at the time, and uh, offered the idea that uh, they could be in the, uh, we'll call it the individual client business, because up to that point in time, Dimensional was only an institutional money manager mm. working with the biggest institutions in the world. And uh, they agreed. As long as he was able to um, control and provide discipline to the asset flow that came to Dimensional. Mm. So the perspective at the time was that clients, individual clients, were, were always moving money in and out of the market. It was mm. hot, you know, quote unquote, hot money. Hot money, yes. And so they said, you know, we can't have hot money commingled in with large institutional money that's mm. very stable and very static. Yep. 
And so Dan suggested that he would be able to be in a different position than most kind of retail type uh, assets. And he was able to educate and train uh, and um, discipline the client assets so that they would actually stay in for the long term. Mm. And that's where our kind of our, our conference and training program and really our, our I guess I call it our culture around education and training had began, which was the idea that we wanted to have a different type of uh, outcome. We wanted to have a different type of model. Mm. We want to have a different type of result for the end client. Mm. And one of the best things, as you know, that you can do as a client or as an investor in the in the markets is to stay in the market long term right. and avoid yeah. all the the excitement that comes with, or the, the fear and the greed that comes mm. with the market movement that uh, yeah. that you see day to day. Reacting to the noise. Reacting <clears> to the noise. Actually, you know, you do incur uh, additional expenses yep. where you get in and out of the Great. market, not to talk about making bad mistakes, yeah. bad decisions. Yeah. yeah, so it's really about uh, ensuring that there's a good investment outcome mm-hmm. yeah, for the yeah. investors. It's very hard. It's the hardest thing for any individual to do because... Again, frankly, there's there's enough information. There's enough. There's yeah. newspaper articles and social media mm. and all these things that are actually suggesting that we need to make a change. And even professionals, might, I would speak of myself. I'm sure in the same boat. Yeah. You know, we see the news. We have an opinion on the news. Mm. We have an opinion on what that might be t- towards our portfolio. Yep. But it takes a lot of discipline to just to discount that and then stay with what you uh, yeah. what you have in terms of your investments. So that that's the real ge- a real goal and key of all of this. And and again, one of the reasons why we work with the independent advisor is you know, Dimensional or any uh, asset manager out there really doesn't have the ability to go out and translate uh, that discipline uh, and or the education to clients in the way that the advice community can. So that's mm. a, that's a very important point. That leads us very nicely to the next question. Uh, in today's world, there's actually a lot of DIY platforms like the robo-advisors and all mm-hmm. that. And um, a lot of people are saying that, oh, that's the demise of the human advisors. What's your, what's your view on that? Yeah, I think it's um, technology is great. Technology is making things easier for mm-hmm. us. Um, and technology can also be a negative if, if it leads to behaviors that you don't f- think are a positive net effect towards the client. Uh, so I think there's a probably a middle ground, and, and I know there's a lot of really good advisors who have uh, a technology platform that allows them to work with, with many, many clients mm. and, and provide a lot of great education uh, and training and so forth so that there is that discipline aspect built into the technology. Yep. That's the key. Mm. So I think if it's a, just a do-it-yourself platform and and all of the excitement, the, the fear and the greed and all the mechanisms that, that make people transact – um, are delivered on that platform, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but if you have a truly great technology platform that's, that's loaded up with educational training materials and mm. things that are going to keep people focused and disciplined, along with probably some hand-holding from a, yes. from a personal advisor yep. um, on occasion, then that's, that's going to be a solution that's going to work really well. But it's important because it's, you, know, you can have the greatest product portfolios around, but if you can't stay in the market you're never really going to have a chance to have the kind of outcome over 10 or 20, 30, 40 years uh, that we've seen from from really great investment outcomes. Yeah. I mean, we always say that, you know, funds are um, like ingredients, mm. you know, but it's the advisor who knows actually what's the taste, what's the preference, uh, what's the dietary restrictions mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, the customer. And mm-hmm. then uh, it's the advisor who then put the dish together, put the ingredients together to kind of uh, make a good dish that is yeah. suitable 
for the client. So that's that's how, uh, at least at Provident, yeah. how we look at things. And of course, there's also that saying that, you know, somehow our heart is linked to our pocket. Uh, so when, yes. you know, there's a lot of market noise, yep. right? And, uh, you know, markets are volatile, we get upset, we get yeah. affected. Yeah. You know, you mentioned greed and fear, all these are emotions. Yeah. And I think that's where human advisors come in to coach, to calm, yeah. to be that voice of reason and, uh, yeah. you know, calm assurance for the client. Yeah. Very, very much. So we always talk about a relationship that somebody has with with a, with a medical doctor. You know, mm. it's the same idea that there's an expert who has done a lot of work and research on the topic, right? And has a better insight than you might as a as a patient coming mm. into the hospital. Let's say so. Same idea with the advisor. The advisor not only knows the client, and I call it the is the client expert, but mm. they also have the knowledge That's in the financial right. side to be able to review portfolios, mm. make sure the allocation is right. You know, and we used to say that if you know, if you're a great chef and you have, you know, something that calls for sugar or for salt, mm. you, you definitely don't want to put salt in when, when this calls for sugar. So that's, a, that's an aspect, you know, the advisors are able to actually look at portfolios and even something with a label. If a portfolio has a label of small mm. and it turns out it's actually larger than small, then that's a problem too. So yep. advisors are able to, to, to kind of work through all of that. And that's mm. a really important aspect. And again, I would reiterate the idea of the independence, the fact that you as an advisor and the advisors, you know, all around the globe that we work with, they are independent. They work for the for the client. They work in their best interest. And we, as the asset manager, we have to prove ourselves yep. every day. And we have to be able to explain to you why the, our portfolios might be good for your clients. And then it's a decision at the advisor level to make that decision. So uh, we've, we understand that model. We love that model. We, mm. we respect that model. We think it's the best model out there and the best one for the chance of having a great outcome for the client. Amen to that. <laughs> so, you know, Dave, you actually are a, pro, a finance professional. You are the co-CEO of one of the largest uh, asset manager in the whole world. Uh, so obviously you're very well-versed uh, in financial related matters. Uh, so if I may ask you a question, do you actually use uh, the services of a wealth advisor? Yes, I do. I've had a, a same advisor for 25 years now, 25 wow. to six, 26 years. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, you know, again, I think it's a, it's a relationship that's very important. I would count that as one of my probably two or three uh, most important relationships in my life because I have, you know, four kids. I have a wife, um, you know, a lot of different activities around, you know, wealth management that we're involved in now. And, and, um, you know, it's just very nice to have a, a confidant, a mentor, a coach, an mm. expert that either I can have conversations with yep. about an investment topic mm. or if it's something, you know, on the tax side or estate planning side or charitable giving side, mm. you know, they're there to actually provide ideas to me that uh, I might not have the time and, and ability given my role as CEO yeah. and uh, role as a father and a husband and so mm. forth. I just don't have time to get to. So to have that relationship is really, really important. The other big aspect is just having somebody with the knowledge of my entire, uh, not only my financial life now, but also just my, my life in general. Mm. Uh, and, if, you know, God forbid, if I was never here, the idea that, that these advisors would be there to be able to mm. walk my wife and my kids through everything that, that uh, they need to understand is just a, such a valuable, almost a, it's an invaluable um, service that they provide me. It's like and a so peace of mind. Very much a peace of mm. mind. So it's a great relationship. I know so many advisors. When I, when I look back at my 30 years in the business and I see not only the advisors who have succeeded in terms of their business success because 
they've delivered something that's very, very positive to clients. And those clients then refer their friends and mm. co colleagues to that advisor. That's how most of them have grown. Um, that's a really impactful thing. And, and again, going back to 30 years, you know, why did I get in the business? You know, I hope I was able to actually do, do something that would be impactful and make people's lives better. And you guys do it as advisors. We do it in the asset management mm -hmm. space. The combination is really, uh, really a positive change from where we were when I started. And I, I probably couldn't have imagined that, that it would have translated into what we see today, uh, which is a really, really substantially great advice business that makes clients just so much better off from what I used to see when I first started with the transactions, the commissions, and the mm. driving into fear and greed, all those things that are negative. It's, it's just been such a great transition to watch. We hope to see more of that in this part of the world. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, building on that topic of your, you know, your wealth advisor, what was your selection criteria, so to speak, 25 years ago? before yeah. you, you landed Great on Great question. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, my selection at that point was uh, driven a lot about on the tax side. Mm. So I had just um, moved from California to Connecticut, and I had to do, do two different tax returns plus the U.S. return, so three returns. And I had been doing my own returns up to that time. Um, and then I was in the middle of, I think it was my third year of my CFA, mm. which was a really heavy you know, study period for me. Uh, yep. I think the test was June 1st or end, end of May, maybe. Well, good um, memory. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I had all those things in front of me. And, and I was just in conversation with an advisor who we were working with. Mm. And he suggested, he said, yeah, I'm happy to do your tax work for you, if that made sense. And so I said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. And mm. so we, we did taxes together. He did my taxes for probably five years. And then that transitioned into an advice relationship. Mm. And, and then I think it's transitioned into a holistic wealth management relationship over the last 10 years or so. Mm. And so I th it's interesting to watch that progression because I think that is the progression that I've seen on the advice side. Yep sort of, you know, investment only then to, you know, call financial planning and mm. then to this kind of holistic wealth management concept. And I think that's been a, a transition we've seen a lot of in, in the U.S. over the last uh, 20 years as well. Mm. Because we're talking about human relationships. It takes time to build. Mm. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I'm sure he's a very uh, treasured family friend as mm. well. On yeah, top no, of being he, an advisor. yeah, yeah my, my kids know him. My wife knows him. Um, you know, the, the kids are now running some accounts through through that advisor mm. as well and mm. getting you know advice on a lot of topics you know college educational money and yeah. charitable giving and so it's been it's been a really fun fun uh, relationship uh, to yeah, develop over it's time good to hear that it's good yeah. to hear that yeah okay before we wrap up our conversation today uh you know at provident um, money we view money as an enabler for our clients for ourselves to live, uh, you know, to achieve our life events. Um, so, Dave, maybe can you share with us uh, what's your view of money or the role of money and uh, what it can do for you? Mm, very good question. I think that is the crux of the whole thing, right? Because it's really about enabling, you know, certain activities. So, for, for me, it's really experiences. Uh, I, I'm not um, really a big money person. I don't have a lot of expensive tastes. I don't do a lot of things with, with money. Uh, what I do... Do and I, what I do want to do is I, I want to spend a lot of quality time with my family, mm. and so that you know money does allow you to do those kinds of things. And hopefully, is with kids and grandkids and mm. great grandkids. Hopefully, um, you know you're allowed, you're able to do those things and, and 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 be able to fund those types of activities. So that's one. 
I think the other side is just charitable um, stuff. I think is uh, really important. I think mm. it's um, you know, how do you how do you give back in some degree? I think that's a it's a big question and an important question. So that's one thing that my advisor and I are talking quite a bit about now, mm. uh, which has been very very helpful as well. Um, but I think that's it. I think it's you know again it's not. Um, it's not to have stuff, you yep. know, stuff doesn't matter to me, mm-hmm. but uh, the experiences, good, you know, friends and family and uh, experiences with those people, I think, is what it comes down to. So as you get older, as I have, as you, you start recognizing how important that, that stuff is. Yep. And when you're younger, you're kind of, you know, on the treadmill and you're going fast and hard yeah. and you want to you know, do all these things. And mm. you start looking back, and it's like, hmm, what really made me happy and what really made me tick? Yeah. It it's all family. It's all yeah. friends, you know. It's all... It's all progression in life and trying it's to, you know, relationships do, and yeah, and maybe impact and doing yes. things you feel good about. So the dimensional thing for me has always been that I've never looked in the mirror one day and, and not felt good about what I was doing because mm. I felt I was actually doing something that I was positive about and I could tell my mom that she should do it this way. My mom should have an advisor. My mom should invest in dimensional. I'm, you know, my mom is, you know, in my mind, the, the type of person when I, when I think about the job and the work, it's, it's, Somebody who's not that um, uh, bought into, you know, financial concepts and hasn't done any study on it, but, you know, but needs to have somebody um, kind of translate that into a, an outcome that's going to be very, very positive for her. And mm. give her that peace of mind, as yep. you said, avoid the fear, the greed, mm. you know, be able to stay in the markets and, and have that affect their lifetime, their retirement and yep. lifetime goals over time. Mm. Okay, thank you, Dave, for sharing with us your wisdom and your insights. We are really very happy to have you with us today. Thank you, Evelyn. I really enjoyed it. Uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. Right, we have come to the end of this week's episode. I hope you have enjoyed our conversation. So if you liked today's uh, episode, uh, do follow us, uh, follow our podcast, and follow us on social media for similar content. Thank you for listening, and see you again next episode. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any of use of the information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.